You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, what an exciting morning. How great to hear the snapshots of people's lives, people's journeys of what they found about Jesus. For me, I grew up in a home where I was taught about Jesus. I made my first decision to be a follower of Jesus at the age of just four years old. I'm amazed he listened. I'm amazed he took me seriously, but he did. You know, as I grew up, I became a teenager. I had to make my own decisions about my faith. Great to see some of our teenagers getting baptized this morning, saying, I'm going to come to church because I'm going to come to church. I want to come to church, not because my mom wants me to come to church. And that was my journey as well. I found that as I was a teenager, as I began to read the Bible, as I prayed, as I sought to try and work out who this God was, I found him to be real. I found him to be present. I found him to have words in the Bible that were life-giving and more wise and wonderful than anything else in the world. And I was baptized as a 19-year-old. The first time I left home and went to a church that baptized adults. Great to have David Sherman, our pastor, here with us this morning to find a place where I could enter into a baptism of faith and repentance in obedience to Jesus. And so it's so exciting to, see, to know that we've got 16 people being baptized this morning through the life of this church, making this spiritually significant step to declare their faith in Jesus publicly and step out to leave a, lead a new life with Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior, as their King. Now, I'm aware maybe you're here this morning and you've just come to support them. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you're a member of their family. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe you're not sure what to make of it all this morning. Maybe you're wondering if this is really all real. Like, what is this that I've come into this morning? Could this possibly be true? Can this possibly be relevant for my life too? Maybe you can equate with the feelings of a husband when his wife announced that she'd become a Christian. Let me read you this story shared in Amy or Ewing's brilliant book, But Is It Real? She says this, a number of years ago, my church in Oxford had a baptism service in which one of the men about to go under the water gave a short speech telling everybody why he was about to get into a huge tank of water, fully clothed in front of 700 people. He began explaining that a year earlier, his wife had announced that she had decided to become a Christian. He was horrified to hear this news and immediately began quizzing her about her new beliefs. Had she been brainwashed? What on earth attracted her to the church in this day and age? What did a personal relationship with God mean? Could she feel it? What was the factual basis for Christianity? And so it went on. And when his wife told him that she was gonna pray regularly, this man had an idea. He decided that he would find out what she was praying about. And then, over the course of the year, he would write down everything she prayed for with the date of the prayer next to it. On the opposite page, he would write down any answers to the prayers. Then, at the end of the year, he would hand her the book, show her all the blank pages, proving that none of her prayers had been answered and that her newfound faith was a delusion. And as he told the story, the Christian congregation bristled slightly. The tension in the air was palpable. 
The man continued by explaining that at the end of the year, he had a book filled with prayers on one side and answers on the other. In fact, the only unanswered prayer from the year was his own conversion to Christianity. <laughs> Completely blown away by this, he decided to investigate the claims of Christianity for himself, and he found himself convinced, both intellectually and now existentially, that it was true. This gentleman, like so many before him and since, who for whatever reason have taken seriously the claims and the words of Jesus Christ, have found them to be real, found them to be true, found that a personal relationship with him, the living God, is on offer. So this morning from me, just a few words really, to point us towards some of the words of Jesus. Some wisdom for those getting baptized and setting out on a new life with Jesus Christ. But also maybe of use to us listening here for the first time. Or maybe those who are here every week. We're going to read some verses from Matthew chapter 11. They're going to come up on the screen. Verses 28 to 30. These are the words of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary unburdened. Now, you don't need to put up a hand this morning, but I wonder if there's anyone here who, in this week at all, has felt weary or burdened. I think probably many of us do at times. Life can sometimes leave us feeling weary and burdened, weighed down. I sat with someone at, at some point this week, and they'd come to see me because they were burdened. And we talked for a little while, and they were conscious they'd maybe uh, taking some time that I didn't really have, and they, they gathered their things to leave the room, and I said, you can't leave yet. So are you still carrying the same burden you came in with? I can see it. And I made her sit back down, and we talked a little longer until I knew she'd let go of the burden that she'd come with. Do you ever walk down the street and look at the people around you? There's people burdened. You can see it on them. You can see it in their faces. You can see it in their posture. And sometimes you hear it in their words. There are many, many people weary and burdened. Life's challenging, isn't it? Sometimes there's sickness. There's diagnoses we didn't want to have. Difficult situations in our families or marriages, and they burden us. Our finances can burden us. Sometimes we can be striving to be a better sort of a person. We heard in those testimonies this morning, didn't we? People talking about becoming a better person. Jesus helping them to deal with some of the things that weren't so great about them. You see, the truth is we all want to be a good person. We all want to be someone that others would think well of and speak well of. But the truth is for all of us, even if we manage it most of the time in public, we don't manage it all the time in private. If you think maybe you do, then maybe ask some of the people that you live with. They may disagree with that. 
You know, there's so many things that can burden us. The standards of the people around us, maybe our parents, maybe a faith that we grew up in that has expectations of us. Maybe we can get weary sometimes because we're busy. Maybe we're busy with study and work and trying to pay the bills, maybe kids. Or maybe you were like Di in her testimony this morning. She said, you know, she'd known God, but she'd got angry with him when her mom had passed away when she was 13 years old. And then she said she'd kept herself constantly busy trying to fill the hole that was inside her life. But you know, when we chase after things like that, it makes us weary. We can be burdened by guilt of the things that we've done and the things that we've not done. Disappointment, loss, grief. Life can be challenging. It can leave us weary, burdened sometimes. But here's what I observe. In life generally, when it comes to things physically and practically, we are good at carrying as little as possible. I mean, I know there's some ladies here, you've got enough in your handbag to last you for a fortnight, whatever happens to you. But most of us, we're used to offloading anything we don't really need. We put wheels on our luggage so we don't have to hold it. We put books onto an app to save weight in our bag and to save space. We pay by card so we don't have to carry cash or coins. We look for any reason, any way to make things more lightweight and easy to carry, am I right? In fact, this has gone to such an extreme, we've, even, we've just bought a car and it has no spare wheel. I mean, no spare wheel. It's not designed to carry a spare wheel. This saves space, apparently it's, it saves fuel because the car is lighter. Now bizarrely, I was a bit disconcerted when I first found this out, a little concerned about the thought of driving up the motorway in a car without a spare wheel. Even though for 20 years I have driven a car with a spare wheel that I've never done anything with. <laughs> and if I were to need to, although I know the theory, I don't think I'd be able to do anything with it. Mercifully, Martin has always sorted that out when it has needed sorting. Yeah, can we have a round of applause, please? This is the kind of time when I say thank you for being my man. There we are. <laughs> all going well so far. <laughs> the truth is we do whatever we can to maximize space, carry as little as possible. Generally, when it comes to physical things, we're good at rationalizing. But when it comes to our souls, we're not quite the same. We find ourselves holding on to loads, holding on to baggage, and sometimes we don't know how to put it down. We find ourselves carrying burdens. And maybe sometimes, like with the car, we come so familiar with carrying a certain weight, something being there, even that we would never be able to make it useful or do anything with it. We'd rather it was there on board just because it's familiar and we feel safer with it there. And so we can end up carrying burdens. We get weary and burdened. And Jesus' words come to us this morning to say, come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wherever you find yourself this morning, Jesus wants you to come to him, to let him take your burden, to give you rest for your soul. He goes on and he says these words, which might sound a little bit strange to us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle 
and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you. When a Jewish teacher or rabbi, which Jesus was, referred to a yoke, they were normally referring to how they interpreted the law that God had given as to how people should live. The yoke was the teacher's way of understanding and interpreting God's words. So Jesus is saying here, if you're weary and burdened, if you want to find rest, you need to understand how you were designed to live, and he can show you that. He says, look at my life and learn from me, and I'll show you what it's meant to look like. A yoke is also a piece of farming equipment. There's going to be a picture come up on the screen here. It's used to attach two oxen together. It's that piece of wood that goes over their necks. It allows them to pull together, to pull machinery to work the land. And if the yoke is fitted right, it allows the oxen to work at its maximum strength without causing any injury to itself. And they pull together and they work together. And so Jesus says these words, take my yoke upon you. You know, Jesus was familiar with yokes of this kind. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but Jesus who did actually live in actual history, if you haven't realized that. He lived in a subsistence farming community. His earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter. And carpenters in first century Palestine, their main line of work was not chest of drawers. It was not making tables. It was not making chairs. It was making yokes for people to farm and do their work. Jesus would have been taught how to make them strong, smooth, to fit perfectly. You know, if a yoke doesn't fit, it's going to chafe. It's going to be like an ill-fitting shoe that chafes and then blisters and is sore. But Jesus knew that a yoke has to fit. We have to wear the right yoke that's the right size. And some of us, we find ourselves tired and weary and burdened because we're wearing a yoke that is disconnected from our design, so it doesn't actually fit us. You know, you were designed to know God, to let him inform you of how to live, and to wear his yoke. But instead, often we find ourselves chasing other desires, carrying burdens, living in a way that's not related to how God made us to live. Sometimes instead we do our own thing. We wanna do it our way without regard for God. And it's like wearing a yoke that doesn't fit properly. It leaves us tired, weary, chafed. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me. I'm gentle or meek and humble in heart. You see, even though Jesus was God become man, God who'd taken on flesh and entered the world, he submitted to the will of his Father God. He lived according to God's word. He didn't just do his own thing. He did what he was told to do. He allowed a yoke to be placed on him so that he would be guided, directed, and he learned to be gentle, meek, yielded in that process, allowing Father God to tell him what to do. Even though Jesus was God become man, he was humble. He was obedient. He was willing to serve. And this is the one who says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. He says, stop finding your own yoke. Stop trying to live without a yoke, just doing your own thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
He's encouraging us to stop fighting God and doing things our own way. But to do it according to what he says in his word, in the Bible. He says, allow God to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. This is what it means to let him be Lord. As those people, our friends, they've stood in the tank this morning and said, I I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. They're saying, he's my Lord. I'm going to take his yoke on me. I'm going to let him lead me. Let him direct me. Let him call the shots. And Jesus says, then you will find rest for your souls. Anyone here enjoy rest? There's five of us. <laughs> We're all resting so much, we can't even lift our arms up. We enjoy rest. There's nothing better when you're tired than to sit down and to rest, to put your head on the pillow at the end of a busy day. Jesus says there can be rest, there can be peace, there can be satisfaction. Your burdens can be put down. Your guilt and your shame can be taken away. He says it's already been said this morning Jesus Christ, having lived a perfect life, living um, as a man just as God had intended, he died on a cross, an innocent man. And he went there willingly, actually in place of you and of me and of every person that has ever lived. And he did that because you and me and every person since Adam have carried at least one burden. The burden of sin, the burden of rebelling against God, of choosing to throw off his yoke and to have my own instead and do my own thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or realized, but no one else has ever been able to remove that burden from mankind. Only Jesus, because he lived a perfect life, because he was both God and man and he could bridge the gap. But because he went to the cross, And he took our place. If you like, he paid the price for our rebellion against God. He came and he picked up this massive burden of all the sin, of all the rebellion, of all the nastiness and wickedness, all the guilt and shame of all of mankind. And he carried it to the cross. A burden that should have been ours, he came and he took it. As God punished him in our place. Put the punishment that our sin deserved upon him. He paid for mankind's burden. This is why as Christians we talk about the cross. It's why we sing about the cross. It's why we wear the cross and we put it on t-shirts. It's because it's the place where mankind's burden gets dealt with. And although that was 2,000 years ago, you and I can come to Jesus today. He says, come to me. Find rest for your souls, relief from your burden. Find rest, not necessarily an absence of work, but the removal of striving and weariness, replacing it with satisfaction, with forgiveness, with joy, with peace. Rest for your souls. You can take his yoke upon your life. You can let him be Lord and find rest for your souls. It's true that the removal of the burden was paid for at the cross. But friends, maybe you come in this morning and you say, well, I'm still burdened. It's because although it's been paid for, 
it waits to be actualized, to made a reality in their lives. It's a little bit like this. I don't know if you were bought any vouchers for Christmas. Maybe you were bought some vouchers, maybe for JD Sports, maybe for Nando's, maybe M&S, depending what you like. And they've been fully paid for. But maybe in your house, it's like in ours, there's one or two of those sat on a shelf waiting for us to go to the shop or waiting for us to engage online. It's made no difference to my life yet. It's just added a little extra clutter to a shelf. We have to show up. We have to go and make the transaction. We have to claim what's been paid for, for it to make any difference in our life. You may have a Nando's voucher in your pocket, but there will be no chicken unless you go to the shop. Jesus has paid for your burden to be lifted. He's paid for you to find rest, but it requires for you to respond, to actualize it, to make the transaction. Comes in. So this morning, Jesus says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke on you, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As I finish this morning, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to think about where we're at. Where am I at with relation to Jesus this morning? How should I respond to him today? I think maybe there's three particular responses this morning. Maybe you're here and like the gentleman whose story I read at the start, you may think, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus. I've never even thought about it, but what I realize today is I need to consider this afresh. I need to find out if this is really true. I need to not push this aside any longer. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to respond today to say, I I need to investigate this for myself. I need to find out who Jesus is. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus but you know you've tried not to take his yoke upon you. You've wanted his rest and you've wanted his blessing, but you've fought with him. You've wrestled, you've not wanted to just say, okay, let's do it your way. And maybe like Terry, you found that it doesn't work. It doesn't take the burden. And maybe as a follower of Jesus, your response today is to say, Jesus, be my Lord. I want to take your yoke upon me. Or maybe you're here today and you've heard this message and you know you need to respond today. You don't want the voucher on the shelf anymore. You want the burden lifted off your life and you want to find rest today. You want to receive Jesus' life today. You want him to put his yoke on your life today and to set out to follow him with all that you are. I'm simply going to give opportunity to respond and to pray in these three different ways. I wonder if we might bow our heads together. If you're here this morning and you just know that you need to commit to find out more about Jesus, that you need to look into who he is and take his claim seriously, I wonder if you'd just raise a hand. 
so that I can see you and pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hand up for a moment. If there's anyone else, I'm going to pray for you now. Father, we thank you for these precious ones who know that they need to know you and they need to find out about you. And we ask and we pray for them today that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal to them yourself. You'd show yourself to be real. That they'd be able to bring their questions to you and find the answers in you. And we pray you'll help them as they commit today to look more closely, to find out who you are, Jesus. Amen. And I wonder if you could then raise your hand if you know that you need to commit to Jesus and say, I want to take your yoke. I know I followed you, Jesus, but I need to bow down again and say, you, I want you to be Lord. Let's keep our heads bowed for a moment. And if that's you, why not raise your hand where you are? Say, I need you to be my Lord. Thank you. Just raise your hand where you are and we're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you. You say your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And I thank you for these ones who choose today to take your yoke upon them. We pray, Father, that you'd help them to put aside the wrestling and to let you be Lord and King. And that even this morning as they make this decision, they would feel such rest, such peace. They would know you're taking the burden from their souls. That they would walk forward with you as their Lord, leading them into all that you have for them. And we thank you for it. Amen. And finally, but not at all least, for those you want to give your life to Jesus today. Maybe for the first time you want to commit your life to him. And so again, let's just bow our heads. And if you're here this morning and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. Raise your hand high if you want to give your life to Jesus today. say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you give us life. Thank you that you invite us to come after you. Thank you that you put your yoke on us. Thank you that it is easy and light. Thank you that you forgive all my sin. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. I pray now, put your yoke upon me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive my sin. Fill my life. And lead me into all that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we pray for each one of us, that we would give you everything, that we would follow, that we would keep coming to you, we would keep allowing you to take the burdens from our souls, and we would in you find rest. 
as we do that. And we thank you for all that we need is in you. And we love you 